Welcome to this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate. I'm your host, Garth Sundam, Communications Director at MAPS. And today we're talking about using data to discover rising stars, hidden jewels, and unicorn KOLs. Joining us are Mike Taylor, Head of Data Insights at Digital Science, Science, and Carlos Aria, Data Scientist, also at Digital Science. This episode is sponsored by Digital Science. So, Mike, it used to be that we would just go to ASCO and look at the stage, and that was our KOL, or we would do the same digitally, go to PubMed and see who was uh, most listed on any given topic. So why now are we able to look beneath these obvious sources of KOLs to these rising stars, hidden jewels, and unicorn KOLs? In short, Garth, it's damn data science. <laughs> as you say, as you say, you know, identifying the top 50, the top 100 in a therapeutic area is, is really quite straightforward. Okay. And certainly my experience of working with people in medical affairs is, you know, if you prepare a list and you put that list in front of them, they'll go, I know that person, I know that person, I know that person. Yeah. They've retired, I know that person, I know that. Right. Producing the top 50 is 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 trivial in 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 several senses it, whatever you've got the data you can you can find the top the top 50 or, or, or we're interested in supporting people to go beyond that top 50 the problem is from a raw data data current if you lift off the top 50 or top 100 of a therapeutic area you might find a thousand people five thousand people the, the question for us is how do we identify the the rising stars or the people beneath that and the way that um carlos and i decided to look at this was by looking at the relationship between those top 50 those those leading kols mm -hmm. to see how they're reacting how they're interacting with the next thousand the next tier so carlos has this idea about seniorship and mentorship that um that we we, we would love to talk about well, well, let's definitely do that. So that's really interesting that, you know, it's not the challenge of, of finding the next pool of a thousand. The challenge is sorting that pool of a thousand to, to look at who you can interact with to truly drive your strategic actions. And, and you're saying that that depends on their relationships with the top 50, Carlos, where is is that right, or 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 are we just evaluating these next thousand on their own merits? Well, it's a bit of both. So, what we had this idea of, like, first, how do we define uh, who the leaders are inside, for example, a company, a department, or a whole therapeutic area? Mm -hmm. So, within those top thousand, there'll probably be a top ten for sure, uh, and those top ten may influence the rest, the, the the rest of the thousand, or may have um may have a say on the overall picture of the a therapeutic area or a product. Mm -hmm. Um. So, what we thought was um how to use the data that we have available at the moment to try and define and try and automate and calculate like some sort of um score for seniorship how do we define seniorship in terms of the world of publication and influence and in, inside the a particular area or field or overall 
So yeah, so we've been tackling this challenge over the couple over the last few months, and uh, we still are. But we are making great progress on it, and uh, being able to establish this level of leadership, so we can then go back to what Mike just said in terms of mentorship. Because once we know who are the leaders in the field, we can then try and see and identify who who they are connecting and linking with in terms of not only as colleagues, but also as mentors. Ah, because so, so you're taking the leaders and almost using them as a gatekeeper to tomorrow's leaders with the understanding that today's leaders have defined who will be tomorrow's leaders. And if you can look from who's leading today, you can find out who will be leading tomorrow? Yes and no. So yes, because that's one way to identify them, but we are covering, and I guess today we'll talk about mainly three things. We'll, besides all inside KOLs, we all know, like you mentioned and Mike said, you all know how KOLs work, where to where to find them in conference, in ASCO, et cetera, et cetera. This is like a data-driven uh, method, uh, another method to try and identify not only KOLs, but like leaders in certain areas and mentors in certain areas. So responding to your question, Yes, uh, that's one of way of doing it, and we'll also cover it today on the rising stars. But we also have an, other metrics to try and identify them, even without the mentors, just through their own work. And then we can link it back to everything together, like to like their supervisors, for example, in a PhD, or to the lab, the head of the lab, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's there's definitely very several ways to identify not only these uh, senior KOLs, but also the early rising stars. Okay, interesting. So we're going to look at these, then it sounds um, somewhat independently, rising stars, hidden jewels, and unicorn KOLs. Uh, I, I was thinking that there would be one way to find all three of these classes, but it sounds like we might be talking about how to find each of these individually. M Mike, rising stars, how do we find <laughs> them? Why do we want them? And what do we do with them? Well, why we want to find them is because, as we said, we all know the KOLs. It's and if we look at, say, if we look at that, if we if we calculate someone's profile, so if we look at their entire publication history, you now you can see that someone's career might be twenty five years long, thirty five years long in terms of their publication, you know, their their first paper to to the papers towards the end of their career. And during that time, we can look at the trajectory that they have, you know, where they're, who they're working with, what products, uh, what molecules they're, they're working with, who they choose to work with, the relationship with institutes like Dana Farber. You know. We can tell all sorts of things about someone's profile as they're developing it. But of course, if someone's only been publishing for five years, Mm -hmm. then you've got much less data. So we need to look at the kinds of characteristics that make up success in 2023, 2018, and see if we can essentially make a prediction on behalf of people who are trying to build up relationships in the future. So we, we use all of these data sets in combination with each other. And, and as you say, I mean, all of these different things, rising stars and, and mentors and unicorns and, and DOLs, all of these things are different, yet all of these things are also related. 
you know this is a case particularly for younger people where their online profiles what they're doing on twitter is intimately related to the work that they do and that that act of choosing what you what you cite and what you tweet about it's not the same but they are related to each other so the work that we do is all about building up these very complicated data models but ultimately putting something simple in front of you you know we're not going to be saying these are the next 50 or these are the next 20 people who are going to be you know the 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 the, the stars of this field but you know maybe it's more a question of saying this is the top 50 the top 100 that we think look like the stars of the future Boy, I'll tell you what, if I was a young researcher, I would want to know if I were a rising star according to your metrics or if I should look for another career in, in carpentry or, or something. So, OK, so rising stars, we I mean, do, do you give them a score? That, this is sort of what I'm wondering. I mean, do you take these top 50 and say, you know, this person scored 78.2 on our metric and so is predicting Ooh. a long career and you should be interacting with them? Is it is that how it works? It's always going to be a probability. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. Um, right. It's always, we're never going to say, you know, 78.21 means something other than yeah. we think that the signals indicate that they are more likely to, sure. that, that kind of thing. I mean, typically... When we talk about seniorship and mentorship, what we're talking about here is the relationship between a junior researcher and the yeah. senior researcher. I, I I know we've got quite a lot of data points in how we describe that relationship between senior and less senior. Well, okay, so Carlos, let's get into hidden jewels. Uh, how, how are these, first of all, how are these different than the rising stars? And maybe then how do we find them differently? So yes, and this is getting back to the to the rising. This is somewhat related to to the rising stars. It's like those hidden jewels, like because my like we mentioned, ladies. We also have like calculations between a relationship between a supervisor and a student, or a mentor and um, a researcher in a in a particular field. Uh, but there might also be some hidden jewels doing their own work, or mm. not as highlighted, or. Uh, but the outputs are there, the publications are there, and the data is too. So that's something that I'm still working at. I'm, I'm actually really, I literally worked on this just before I joined the, this call. Um, so what we are doing is we're trying to create a model to identify like a growth over the years. So still related with the rising stars, but in a more independent way. Uh, not exploring so much the relationship with our, within their network, but like these like lone wolves or uh, not as exposed uh, yeah. and still being able to capture yeah. them. And this would be yeah. not based in the total amount of like research that they have because they might be not enough different fields, but like the growth in over the past years, like not only on publications, but for example, the attention of those publications, if they've been yeah. uh, tweeted by... Um, by like a particular therapeutic specialist uh, on Twitter, or if it's been used on Wikipedia. So we're using all sorts of data and the variability over the years. Mike, go ahead. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, I, um, a couple of years ago, I was working with a, a, a client in Switzerland, and they were interested, they are interested in a 
very, very narrow area where there's not been a breakthrough for years. And I, I, we, I came up with this notion of uh, citationship, which is a slightly odd one, because what we're trying to do is to identify uh, people who are working in a space that weren't getting a great deal of attention, but where they were getting the attention, they were getting it from very influential people. Oh, yeah. And what we did, what I identified there was to identify a group of Chinese researchers. And I'm not going to say what area they're working in, um, but there are a group of Chinese researchers that just didn't pop in the data when you look at it. But when you looked at who was citing them, it was very important people who had been linking out their data. Now, they hadn't done anything like co-authorship with them or anything like that. Um, but for me, that's the kind of really interesting signal that makes you look at it and go, what's going on there? Now, I'm not saying that that group are solving a problem or they're getting anywhere. What, what my argument would be is to say, if you're out there and you're working in this field, you ought to look at these chaps, these, these people, because it looks as though other people are are looking at them to see what they're doing. And that's the kind of signal that we're trying to surface. And so it's you, like, you know, when the crowd all goes, oi, you know, all, the, all heads turn, you're like, oh, did someone famous just come into the restaurant? Well, and in this analogy, you know, it, it seems like it's not all heads turning. It's... Uh, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, it's the heads in the know you know, who, who are recognizing the people who aren't celebrities, but who they respect. And so again, you're, you're looking at these, these influence networks in which the, the, the KOLs, the ones that we would identify easily, are almost vouching for people in different ways. You know, they're vouching for the people that they're directly connected with. These are the rising stars, kind of. And, and they're also, in a way, vouching for the people who they're not necessarily connected with, but who they're citing, who they respect. And that would be hidden jewels. Right. Is, is that? Oh, cool. OK. That, that's a way of finding hidden jewels. And and also, of course, what they're doing on Twitter. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the nice things, we mentioned unicorns, right? So we okay, let's to go to unicorns. So, um, <laughs> I, I think a unicorn, a unicorn in this case, is uh, is someone who is both a KOL and a DOL. Um, so if we just unstrip that, as well as being key opinion leader, in other words, a preeminent clinician or academic, they are also a digital opinion leader. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. see this, uh, we see this across our data sets. So Carlos did some did some work um, a year ago, and we identified with really high probability about two thirds of a million um, KOLs who were also active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So if you like, we can we can find Dr. Araya and then we can map Dr. Araya over to Carlos Araya on Twitter. And that means that we can track between their two profiles. So we can we know what they're they're working with. We know what they're publishing. We know how people are talking about their publishing. We know who they co-author with. But we also know what they recommend, who they're recommending. So we've previously talked about sentiment analysis. So we can see whether uh, uh, Carlos Araya, who we know to be uh, Dr. Araya on Dimensions, um, we know that he is promoting a piece of research. In other words, he's perhaps we shouldn't use the word promoting, but recommending a piece of research and who he's recommending. And this is another way of, of um, identifying those all important 
heads turning, if you like, heads turning on Twitter in this case. So that's, that's so interesting. The, you know, it's almost like a bottom-up and a top-down approach. You've got rising stars, hidden jewels, and then you've got these massive unicorn KOLs. Um, I mean, Carlos, the unicorn KOLs seem like they would be fairly easy to identify just because they're high profile in both spaces, you know, the research space and maybe in the social space or the digital space. But, you know, are we interacting with these unicorn KOLs differently or are we asking of them different things than we would have in the past asked of, you know, non-digital KOLs? Or, or, or I'm wondering what is the use of these unicorn KOLs and does it provide opportunities, but also some strange challenges for medical affairs teams having to dip their toes or more into the digital space? I think it's a bit of uh, both doors. Um, I think it opens definitely opens a multitude of doors and just what we've been saying, for example, if you find a unicorn KOL, and there's actually really active on Twitter, you might help, and circling back to what we just discussed, you might help finding these hidden jewels, because if he's tweeting, maybe not citing, but tweeting about a particular paper uh, from a, a very new researcher in the field, that might mean something. Um, and might that might be a um, that might be a signal on its own. Uh, and getting back, because then we can circle back if both are in our data set. So for example, imagine that a very senior leader KOL uh, just tweets about a particular piece of research and it's retweeted by like their followers, et cetera, et cetera, on this very new early career researcher getting into this field. And then we managed to find that research on, on Twitter, link it back to his research and see all the papers and all, all the research activity that he has. And we keep like within this circle covering a multitude of data that can open several doors and, and we can very easily get into a rabbit hole here. On both ends, either on the <laughs> I see that. either on the seniorship, yeah. on the seniorship side, or on the early career research side, and and but but the data is there, and we have it, and it's just a matter of like linking the dots. Well, yeah. you know, it seems I, mean, like... I, I, we, I should push a little back a little bit, Garth. It's not easy because <laughs> you know you might have a Dr. Burton on in Dimensions or in PubMed, um, yeah. but Dr. Burton might easily be Onk Doc on Twitter, and identifying that those two entities are the same with high probability is it took a little bit tricksy but together we had um over a cup of coffee we had a bit of a brainstorm about the data um underlying the data and some of the trends that we see on twitter and i'm not going to talk about the 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 the, 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 the sort of the magic the magic meets there or the uh, quirky corn or whatever it is um but that was how we got to two-thirds of a million and we we think we're probably going to be able to push that up to a million which would be and quite a breakthrough because you know we are identifying people who are very active on Twitter and not yet that um productive in terms of, of research. So you yeah, do get people yeah. on Twitter who are uh doing doctorates, for example. So you know they're not yet um sort of even in that top one thousand, but well, who are very engaged. And it seems like a, a real innovation, you know, Carlos. I thought you were gonna say, okay, the thing to do with the unicorn KOL is to you know equip them with the context of science and understanding that they need to drive the clinical and scientific conversation you know in a in a disease space 
And where you went immediately was you can use and use is probably not the right word, but but you can work with unicorn KOLs to identify other KOLs. And and so you're using your KOLs not only to amplify your your messages um, and to drive the scientific and clinical conversation, but as part of a network to then, you know, have a door in to find other KOLs, you know, is that the innovation of your data science is using connected networks to find the people that you need to talk to? Well, like I said, like we can get into very different rabbit holes here. So for me, and because I'm actively working on this almost on a daily basis, I'm interested in not using this <laughs> using this data to find more data to find more data and to find like new signals that I'm looking for. But yeah. as you correctly said, Garth, um, it is very meaningful. Like having these unicorns and see what they not only what they publish, what they research in, but what they also talk about and what they and the sentiment behind it can also drive the conversation forward. And I think that's, that's I think that's, you rightly said, so that's one of the main things and main benefits of this data. Go ahead, as well. Yeah. I think we've come such a long way. I was just reflecting four years ago at the beginning of COVID, you know, we were all using Zoom. Was it four years ago or three years ago? I've completely forgotten. I had less gray hair anyway, but say, say it was three years ago. Um, people, were really weren't talking about what was going on in Twitter, even though we were seeing an explosion. We saw a near doubling of the amount of people who were linking to research and trials on Twitter um, in that March, a, a, a number, by the way, which has been maintained to this day throughout mm -hmm. all of its uh, uh, rambunctious changes that we've seen on Twitter the last few months hasn't, hasn't blinked in terms of the volume of tweets that we're getting. But, you know, back then, three years ago, people weren't talking about this at all. Even my most advanced contacts were sort of saying things like, well, we're looking at it. Um, you can't move now. I mean, you you know, we, you and I were at MAPS in Lisbon and everybody is talking about this. We're talking about TikTok. They're talking about all of these different platforms where people are engaging. And, of course, we're hearing the Omni word, right? And that's another huge change in the last three years that um, – Omnichannel is everywhere, and omnichannel means Twitter, and apart from everything else, you know, it means all of these different platforms coming together. Oh man, that's a red flag! You, you say you say omnichannel, and I see another six podcasts in our future. But, <laughs> but for today, I think we should we should yeah. leave it at that. With using, I mean, how do we want to sum it up? Like using networks of connected publishing and social spaces and influence and citations and interactions and mentorship to to dig down through these things to predict who is going to be the KOL of, of tomorrow. So, all right, Mike, Carlos, yeah. thanks for joining yeah. us. To more <laughs> about how your organization can partner with digital science, visit digital-science.com. MAPS members, don't forget to subscribe. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate.